This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. We are now 19 months into the COVID-19 pandemic. That's right, 19. And we can now mark another grim milestone. One in 500 Americans have died of the coronavirus. Many of us have become pandemic experts, whether that's knowing how to deal with uncertainty and anxiety or getting our mask-wearing routine down to a science. But there's still so much that we don't know about COVID-19. And while we all navigate the rampant misinformation, looking at you, Nicki Minaj, I'm grateful for Erin Alday. She's a health reporter at The Chronicle, and she's been a mainstay of Fifth Emission since the beginning of the pandemic. She's guided us through the information we need to know here in the Bay Area. And today she joins me to discuss the latest COVID-19 updates, including are third booster shots necessary? Is the Delta surge starting to wane? And do we need to be worried about that new Mu variant? After a well-earned three weeks away from the newsroom, Aaron is back on Fifth Emission. It's been a while, Aaron. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me back on. So I want to start with a recent big headline that's been giving a lot of us some hope. California is the only state in the country to move out of the CDC's high transmission category. What have Californians been doing right so far? Well, you know, I think that we have a couple of really important things going in our favor. Um, and one is just that we're we're pretty well vaccinated compared to a lot of other parts of the country. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's mark one. So that's that's really great. Um, we're not like a whole heck of a lot higher than like the national average, but we are we are doing better than average. Um, and I think also our rates are really I mean, the key thing is that our rates are really high in the really populated areas. So the places where we have the most people and a lot of, you know, the most transmission going on are also or, or have in the past um, are pretty heavily vaccinated. I think we also benefit from the fact that we have suffered a lot in previous surges. So we have a lot of natural immunity going on that's probably help, helping buffer us now and getting us out of this. And then on top of that, you know, we've been California in general has been pretty conservative in its approach in in mitigation, right, and putting out these mandates and people um, following along these mandates. So, you know, the the biggest portion of, of the state is now under mass mandates. So people have to wear masks. And to a large degree, people respond to that, like the public does what they're told. And like, kind of people are very receptive to mass here, don't really push back against it much. I mean, we hear reports about counties where that's not the case. But for the most part, mm -hmm. people are, are pretty good with that. And I think that that's that that certainly has had a huge impact in terms of just slowing things down and getting us to where we are now. So the state is doing well. And what about here in the Bay Area? Is this summer's Delta surge starting to finally taper off? Are there signs that we're on a downward trend here? Yeah, I think that we can pretty confidently say that it looks like things are moving in the right direction, finally, in the Bay Area. Um, you know, certainly we are our cases are down from a few weeks ago, um, they're not they're not dropping down as quickly as some had hoped. We've seen in other countries that with Delta surges, they tend to spike real high and then drop mm -hmm. off real fast. And we're not necessarily seeing that rapid drop off. 
Um, but we are definitely, you know, they are trending in the right direction. Um, you know, the main question now is, can we, you know, are they going to drop really low? Are we going to see like, a, we, we, I think we're all familiar with the sort of peak and then followed by a trough, right? Where things feel kind of normal for a few weeks. I don't know that we're going to get that this time around. I think we might hit sort of like a relatively high plateau and then just going to sit there for a little bit longer. But that's, you know, that remains to be seen. It's really hard to forecast these things. But to answer your basic question, yes, things are definitely trending in the right direction. That's good news. And I want to talk about booster shots. President Joe Biden announced that third doses of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines will be made available to Americans as early as September 20th. There's been a little bit of confusion around this since the CDC hasn't yet recommended these booster shots. Why are health officials saying that a third shot is necessary at this point? Yeah, I would say there's a lot of confusion, actually, on this topic. Um, I think the folks that I talked to definitely say that the president jumped the gun with with announcing that. Um, the truth is, um, you know, the, the FDA hasn't weighed in. The FDA is going to be meeting on Friday um, to have um, that conversation around the, the Pfizer um, vaccine. And that's the only one that they really have any data for on boosters. So, you know, for right out of the gate, we really will probably only recommend boosters for Pfizer recipients just because that's the one that we have the data for. Um, but mm-hmm. it's very not, it's not clear who exactly should get the boosters, um, who would benefit. It's not entirely clear that a third booster will benefit um, everybody or that it's it's necessary. I think that that's all being worked out and there's a lot of debate on that. Um, I suspect that what we're going to see is pretty quickly, um, maybe as soon as the September 20th date that, that the president put out, but probably more likely a week or two after that, we'll see some recommendation for certain groups of people to get boosters. So, um, likely older adults, um, you know, the UK just recommended third third shots boosters for everyone 50 and older um, in that country. We may see it more like 60 and older here, but it'll probably be like something like an age group thing. Um, we may see it for healthcare, you know, frontline healthcare providers, um, partly because they're now the longest out from their their second doses. So they're going to see maybe that waning immunity, but also because they're just in the front lines so they're being exposed and we can't afford to have them getting sick and, and being out of work is the other thing because we have staffing shortages. So that being said, you know, for the vast majority of people who have had Pfizer or have had any other vaccine, I don't know that we're going to get answers on that right away. Um, I think it may be a little bit longer before we really find out if we need that third shot and what the timing of it will be. Um, I'll just say, I, I, I think it helps to like talk about my personal thinking on it. And I personally mm-hmm. am not feeling any rush to get a booster. I feel very mm-hmm. well protected. The data looks like even if, and I'm Pfizer, even if my protection is waning, I'm still very well protected against being in the hospital, you know, and certainly dying from COVID-19. I'm not concerned about myself. I will say that if, you know, the FDA followed by the CDC says 60 plus should get it, I will definitely encourage my parents to go out and get third doses. I think that that's, you know, that's smart. So, you know, I do think we're going to be getting a lot more data over time. But I think to me, one of the messages is I don't think people should be freaking out about this. I don't think they should be feeling any sort of real urgency, like, oh, my God, they need to get this booster to, like, you know, beef up their protection. I think people look really good and they can afford to kind of sit back and, like, wait and see what, you know, what the data says. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Are booster shots especially a, a concern for immunocompromised people? Is, would that be a recommendation that people are urging for them? Well, the immune compromised people actually have already been been recommended to get third doses. Um, and even that, it's a little bit unclear if that if that helps. Um, but certainly they as a population don't haven't responded very well to two doses. And so the thinking is it, it can't hurt and it probably will help them to get that third dose. They're one of just the very few groups that have already been recommended for the third dose. Um, I think we are very likely going to see, I mean, at least in like long-term care facilities. So people who are very frail, very vulnerable, mm -hmm. um, have a lot of, of other kind of underlying conditions. It's, it's very likely that they will right, be recommended a third shot for the same reason as the immune compromised in that they maybe didn't have a great reaction the first time around and remain pretty vulnerable to, to serious disease. You mentioned waning immunity. The public health messaging is still that everyone should get vaccinated, although there is some research that suggests that there might be waning immunity for vaccinated people. What do we know about that at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's actually it's to me, it's a fascinating topic, but it is actually pretty confusing. Um, there's parts. So we we have a multi-pronged immune response, right? So we have this sort of immediate antibody response that kind of attacks that initial infection. So when you're exposed to the virus, these antibodies that we have floating around kind of immediately attack it and and fight it off. And that's what keeps us from from feeling sick, from getting a cold or any symptoms. But then we have the secondary immune response that takes a few days to kick in. Um, but that's the one that keeps us from getting very seriously ill. So what we're seeing is that that antibody response, that initial response, that is waning. There's no doubt about that. But that's expected. Mm. Everybody would. I mean, you don't have antibodies constantly just floating around in your body. That would not be an effective way for an immune system to run for anything. Um, and so there's some that's some of the debate is how concerned should we be about that waning that that waning immunity, um, which is to be expected. Um, and it's kind of questionable if we get a third booster, who's to say th that will, there's no doubt that will increase our antibody response, but it'll probably slack off again in another few months. So do we just constantly boost or what? Like that's one of the debates against the arguments against it. Um, but so far like that, that backup, not that backup, but that secondary immune response, which really is strong and really protective. We don't really see any evidence that that's waning. That looks like mm. it's, it stays pretty strong. And based on other vaccines and other diseases, there's not really any reason to believe that that will wane over time um, or that that has certainly waned at this point. But, you know, we don't know for sure. And it's possible that it just may be it's not even a booster thing, but it's just that this is a three shot vaccine and it works most effectively in three shots. And the problem is that this is just it hasn't been around that long. Right. So we just kind of right. don't know yet exactly what the best formulation is. Um, and then, of course, you know, we haven't even talked about the whole kind of global ethics of this. You know, what is it? You know, what are we doing in the United States just giving people these really extra doses of vaccine that are that, mm -hmm. you know, are a little bit of a luxury when so much of the world hasn't had a single shot? Right. 
And I want to talk about rapid testing. Your colleague, Catherine Ho, recently wrote about how some hospitals are now using machines that can produce accurate results as quickly as 45 minutes. Are we at a point now where this kind of testing technology is accessible for everyone? Uh, short answer, no, we're not. Um, and, you know, there's there's good reasons for that. The t- the, those tests at this point, you know, basically need to be done in like what they say, a clinical setting, right? So like a healthcare setting, um, you need um, a healthcare provider to be taking the samples, to be processing the samples. Um, it's just, it's it's a little bit too much of a technical format to be using in a school setting at this point. Um, there are some schools that are using it, but they're in partnership with these people that produce the tests. So it's, it's just not a practical thing to be doing in every single school system. Um, so, and I don't, you know, I don't know that anybody thinks we need necessarily, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that. It'd obviously be really great if we could have that rapid, um, highly accurate rapid testing in all kinds of settings. Um, and I'm, you know, there are scientists that are working on that stuff, and I'm sure that we'll see those kinds of tests at some point, you know, down the line, but, but we're not there yet. I don't want to be a downer, but there are whispers of a new emerging variant which has caused outbreaks in South America and parts of Europe. What do we know about the Mu variant? Should we be concerned about this? Um, So we should be concerned in the sense that we should be concerned or at least we should be vigilant and be aware of any new variants that come up. Personally, I'm I'm not concerned about this one. Um, It's on my radar. I'm, I'm certainly following it. But the truth is, the advantage of Delta is it's so infectious and it's so like off the charts, just transmissible that it's beat down everything else. And so far, nothing else is able to get that kind of foothold and be competitive with it. Um, and that's the same for for this new variant. So, you know, every you know, we've had a couple of, of sort of variants that have popped up that look concerning for various reasons. And and Mu in particular, it has, you know, a few mutations in it that you know, we worry that it's going to be able to evade the vaccines or or do various things. But it's it's like it cannot it hasn't made a dent, even a the, even a slight dent in California. We've had, I think, a few hundred cases compared to just tens of thousands. I mean, I mean, everything is Delta right now. Um, and mm-hmm. there's I mean, the, the thing with Delta is if you look at the data like Delta popped up in California like in June, like it was just like maybe 1% of the cases that we were testing and it was 99% by August. So it's like, that thing just like blew up. And so if if we were seeing something that was really going to be competitive, you know, we would be seeing it. Um, and, and we are tracking enough of that stuff that we'll see those things, you know, the, they'll, they'll become apparent um, if they if they are a problem. But I'm not seeing anything like that now. Yeah. And the Delta variant sort of killed so many of our hot vaxxed summer dreams At this point, what are public health officials looking at now as indicators to lift the latest set of pandemic restrictions? I mean, it's it's hard to say. I think that they're they're a little reluctant to talk about that now. Um, You know, obviously, the one that the the ones that we're most kind of attentive to are the mass mandates, because that hits all of us. And that's I mean, mass mandates are kind of the big one that's really in play now. Right. Like for aside Mm -hmm. from masks. There's not really much else that we can't or aren't doing um, or that at least isn't an option. Um, And I will say this. I think the convenience with masks is they let us keep everything else open. That's what lets us kind of go about our lives and do normal things. It lets kids go back to school. It's just put them in masks. Um, I think that, 
it's possible we'll see some relaxing of mass mandates um, as especially like hospitalizations get much lower. So right now we're definitely seeing a pronounced drop in hospitalizations, especially in the Bay Area. I think we might see some relaxation of these mass mandates for vaccinated people once they hit a certain level. But at this point, we're not really getting much word as to what that looks like, what what kind of their what their targets are, like how much transmission do they want to see? Um, how many people hospitalized that they want to see before they feel comfortable doing that. Um, there's some kind of talk that we may just be with mass mandates for the rest of the year, um, or at least until we can get the the little kids vaccinated and get our vaccination rates overall much higher. Um, I don't know that I see that happening, but, you know, like I said, it's really hard to forecast things with this pandemic. Sure. Well, Aaron, thank you for the clarity and the updates. We miss you on Fifth Emission. Thanks for chatting with me. Of course. Thanks so much. It's good to be back. Aaron Alday is a health reporter at The Chronicle. You can find ongoing coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic on sfchronicle.com slash coronavirus or on The Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and to you for listening. 